Well, what'd you do last Wednesday night when you said you went to see a band? I went to the movies. With who? By myself. What'd you see? Spider-Man 3. Why do you want to go by yourself? Why didn't you ask me to go? It's not that big of a deal. I like Spider-Man. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. With great power comes great responsibility. With moderate power comes a little bit of an ego trip, maybe a new car. And with no discernible power to speak of comes episode 48 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week, this week is a week of firsts for the Opening Weekend podcast. We are looking back to May 3rd, 2002, and the release of the first film to gross $100 million over its first weekend of release, as well as the film that, even more than X-Men before it, kickstarted the modern era of superhero blockbusters, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. And in a bit of a departure from the show's usual format, we are doing our first ever franchise retrospective on opening weekend, as we will follow our review of Spider-Man with a look back at 2004's Spider-Man 2 and 2007's franchise crapper, I mean capper, <laughs> Spider-Man 3, all starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, and James Franco. In another first for the podcast, we are actually welcoming a guest to the show who, schedule allowing, will sit in and join us for some, if not all, of the week's reviews. He is a funny, fantastic, extremely talented and versatile and prolific writer and performer known for Robot Chicken and Mad. He's the voice of Bruce Banner in a wide range of Marvel animated series. And in addition to being a fellow Hofstra University alum, he has a long and distinguished history with Spider-Man which includes comic books, including the upcoming series Web of Spider-Man, a live stage show, not the one where all those people broke their spines, and the most recent <laughs> Spider-Man animated series. It is Emmy and Annie Award winner Kevin Shenick. Kevin, <laughs> how are you? Oh, my Yay. God. To opening Thank you. weekend. Thank, this is a reunion <laughs> for the ages. My gosh. It really is. I haven't seen I you guys in you, forever. Man. I know. I miss you, too. Oh. You know what's crazy? I always think about this and I was telling my wife the other day she's like so who's because she sees like your name pop up all the time on social media and I've talked about you before and she's like so remind me who this guy is and I'm like he's the guy who basically has like the dream job right now like yep. I don't even know how to describe <laughs> what you do because I feel like you do everything like you write comics you work with Scooby-Doo you work with Kiss you do work with <laughs> Mad Magazine you work with toys and George Lucas and like all this crazy stuff but like my first memory of you you were like the ne'er-do-well who got kicked out of Hamlet because you didn't do yeah. your what? drama 45 hours I was like oh, yeah. drama 55 Richard sorry Richard Harmon Richard let's and I will him. say I'm sorry. let's let's yes exactly exactly no I got those hours damn it I'm still sticking by that uh, <laughs> I'm still sticking with it under the advice of my attorney <laughs> exactly was he supposed exactly. to have been were you supposed to have been Hamlet 
That was Laertes. But but even worse was they didn't they didn't come and tell me. They they put the cast list up and had me (laughs) listed as Laertes on the call board, and then um, and then. They just went back and scratched it out and wrote a bunch of arrows <laughs> saying, you know, yeah. this person is now this person, this person is now this person. The funny thing, not to drag Richard Harmon through the mud, but it's so funny is <laughs> Do it. Our, our good friend, Dr. Mason, who has since passed, but he came yeah. to me and asked me to speak on Richard's behalf, Richard Harmon's behalf, because he was in trouble. And something had happened at school and they were like, we need a student representative. To do. And I was like, of all people, you're coming to me? <laughs> and so I... I said, look, I agreed to not slander him, but I, you know, I, I right. offered whatever I could and it helped. And he, he called me and said he was sorry for everything we had gone through. And he appreciated very much me, you know, saying something on his behalf. And I was like, well, whatever. But I love that's your memory, too, Fred, which is, uh, you know, I can see, you know, Here's how my memory. stand out. Here's where I knew. I was like, this guy's a fucking star. You, you in the pajama game. You played a salesman in the pajama game. And I was like, who is this? Why is he even going to a school for anything? He's brilliant. He should be playing this salesman on Broadway. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. Fred, to answer your question, I think what I've done in looking back is I've basically turned my midlife crisis into a career. So all the things that I enjoyed, I still try and gravitate towards. So that's and so I'm lucky enough which to is, that. Which is amazing. And I mean, and that's what's so, I think, enviable. Uh, and, We've and, turned and, it into a podcast that generates exactly. nothing for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah are. we just read like as, as i was saying earlier we redid our basement and we have like a a bookcase in one of the walls and i put all my trade paperbacks and all my comics in there and my kids are like wait that's what we're putting in that bookshelf i was like well, yeah he's like well, what do you do with them i'm like i i read them are you gonna read them again no. i don't know but i'm gonna look at them you at least can put them in and be like i wrote those i'm just like i like looking at the pictures because daredevil's cool trust me it does not hold much water when i say the same thing to my wife she's like why are these here because i wrote them yeah and that's okay and you were they were meant to be sold to someone and they put, put them in their shelves i was like but please so that's why I have a, a man cave office outside of the house. I remember seeing Batman Returns with you on of course, night. Of with course. Steve Hogan, Jonas, I think. Was it was a bunch of people. It was very exciting. It was. It was. And then we were all very let down. But no, no, I, no I had. No, a, no. I, it, I'm not comparing them, but I remember having a. And I, you know, there are parts of Batman Returns that I do love. But um, I remember having similar response to Phantom Menace as we going home going, it was good, right? Right? That was, that was yeah. good. That oh, was good, right? Everybody did that. And just, yeah. you know, and then waking up the next day being like, no, it, it, it wasn't. What happened? That was for everyone. Jason knows is I went to see Attack of the Clones. I saw Attack of the Clones probably more times in the theater than any other Star Wars movie. And I think it was because... I wanted so I'm like no it's it's got to be it's got to be good right I if know. I see it again with yeah. someone else yeah. I'll be like oh there it is and <laughs> I just searching. kept going and going and you know the answers are always in that crawl and right when I saw trade embargoes I was like <laughs> trade embargoes <laughs> I was like where wait a minute I'm a little less excited by this <laughs> a little oh, less yeah. <laughs> well even even a reve- uh, even oh. um rise of skywalker there, yeah, there, there's like weird. a preposition problem at the end. They're like something about I can't remember what it was, but they're like Kylo Ren is is you know 
wanting to rule the, the galaxy, blah, blah, with the emperor, but he's not going to let so, so And I was like, wait, he's not going to let him or he's not going to let the emperor. I was already, my mind was already <laughs> off the page, but I was like, wait, wow. who are they talking about? So yeah, the answers are always there in the crawl. Wow. Speaking of crawl. I was just wow. going to say, look at Went that. He's our segue king. We just lost every female listener that you might've had. You guys are saying how you knew Kevin. I didn't know Kevin from Hofstra. No, and you don't know him now. Can <laughs> I, do you know, no, do you? I was going to ask you why you let this other person in. Can I tell who is this? Where, what have you done with yeah. someone Kevin knows? We, <laughs> I met Kevin. Kevin will never remember this. But if I say these names, he'll okay, remember. Here we go. Tyne Daly, John Voigt. <laughs> never heard of Ethan him. Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk. <laughs> Kevin was in the seagull. That's right. That's right. With yeah. all of those and that's, people. Yes, and that's more. true. And I went to see that in a big group. And that's where I met Kevin after the show. And, and were you hearing like remember. the legend like, look at that Hofstra. <laughs> look at the guy with that very small role. He didn't get his hours. He didn't get his, but he didn't get his hours. How was he able to that's do that? That's what Tyne Daly said to <laughs> me. They sent him right to Broadway. Tyne Daly came said, up to me after the show and said, did Kevin get his hours? Because we still, <laughs> they're still bothering you know, us about uh, his hours. Our, our, old, uh, our good friend. I need something Hofstra. pumiced. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Christy Wolling, uh, who we also know from Hofstra, uh, tells the story, yes. which I love, which is that uh, you guys were all waiting uh, for me backstage and Ethan Hawke came out first and they were all like, oh, oh. and then they were like, Ethan Hawke. He's like, yes. They're like, do you know if Kevin Shinnick is still in there? And he was kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, I think I think he is. I, I can go look. I'm like, thank you, Christy. But, Fan you know, what's funny is, is Spider-Man. I remember um, the line was so long. And this is before. I mean, being able to get advanced tickets literally saved my marriage. When I moved to LA, they have the arc light because I was constantly making my wife get there like to movies at 45 minutes early because you had to get a good oh, seat for things, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's just so many times you can, you can watch that movie trivia. Like, you know, Mott Shank is Tom Hanks. I get it. I get yes. it. I don't, Mott <laughs> I can't sit here. But anyway, we were, we were online and I said to the group, I was like, I don't know how, but I will meet you inside. And I remember going up to the front and the last showing had just come out. And I was like, hey, I think I left my jacket in there. (laughs) I was like, can I just go look? And they're like, yeah, okay." So I go inside and then I just like lay on like eight seats in a a row. And and they never came and got me. So when everybody got came in, I was there like seventh row center, like, guys, I got the seats. I was so I've I've done many things in my life that I'm proud of. That was probably one of the the higher achievements. That is a good one. Was getting good ones. So you were still in the city around this time. You're still you. Gotta move to LA at this point. No, I hadn't. And the funny thing is, uh, what I remember mostly about the release of this movie too was it coincided with, and there's a little bit of backstory. Um, I had started writing and I was doing this one man show that I had done at this theater. And I had gone to dinner with these Broadway producers that I knew to talk to them about maybe doing it off Broadway or extending it or whatever. So we have this whole good conversation and we're literally putting our coats on and getting ready to leave. And they said, hey, you don't know anything about Spider-Man, do you? And I was like, uh, yeah, why? And they said, well, we have the rights to do the first ever feature length theatrical presentation of Spider-Man. This is before Julie Taymor did hers. And they said, and we're looking for a treatment or something. Would you want to take a crack at it? And I was like, hell yes. Because, oh again, you know, it, 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 it hit all my check 
marks. You know, I thought it's Spider-Man, it's Broadway or it was theater. It was I thought what an opportunity, because once you once you hook a kid in to the theater, then you can show them everything that the theater can offer. You know what I mean? So I thought Spider-Man is going to be the in. Once they're in, I got to make this the best show I could possibly make it. So I went and I, I pitched them an idea. They loved it. We went to Marvel. Marvel loved it. And they were like, great. And so they said, um, well, now we got to think who's going to direct this. So I'm pitching directors with everybody else and people either aren't available or we can't, you know, for whatever reason, the end of the day, end of the day comes and we don't know who's going to direct it. And I say to them, as we're heading home, I said, look, I'm totally fine being just the writer of this thing. But I'm directing it in my head when I'm doing it. So I'm just going to say, if you're looking for somebody, I'd be happy to do it. But of course, I'm fine just being the writer. So like a month goes by and it was right around the premiere of the Tobey Maguire one that they called and said, we'd like you to direct it. And that is the production of Spider-Man Live that uh, premiered. It didn't premiere at Radio City Music Hall, but it sold out Radio City Music Hall. And then it toured the country like 40 different cities. And we had an amazing time doing it. Um, and it was just so it it was also, I had to remind myself that that Tobin Maguire movie hadn't come out yet when I wrote this. So they're very similar up until he becomes Spider-Man. And then we go off into two different directions, but those Mm -hmm. in my memory surrounding this movie were not only the opportunity of getting to write and direct this first ever, you know, feature length theatrical presentation of this thing, but also sneaking in and stealing seats from, you know, <laughs> movie, movie, the movie going public. <laughs> Both sides of the, of the spectrum. Exactly. There. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Did you find that the audience expected to see the movie plot on stage? That's a great question. I think the movie, I got to remember when it came out exactly. I think we, I can't remember when, the month we came out, but I don't think people expected to see the movie per se. And it wasn't that. In fact, what I did was because I knew it would be kind of kid friendly. I made Harry because when I grew up, Norman had been gone in the comics and it was Harry. That was the green goblin. So in doing this, I skewed that way and I made Harry the green goblin because I thought it related more to a youthful audience and it just made the story a little more, you know, uh, focused. And so there were no complaints like, wait, what? He's who and why? In fact, there were certain yeah. th- certain elements they they didn't want to be the same. Now, I have a little well, trivia before you get into oh. the next thing. I have a little trivia, which I realized, which only maybe the four of us might know or anybody who went to Hofstra in a certain age. Um, there are two Hofstra connections to Spider-Man and Spider-Man 3. And I'm going to tell you them because I don't know if anybody would even notice this. In Spider-Man 1, um, when he's the wrestler and they're about, you know, he's going to make his three grand. The previous wrestler who got who gets, you know, beaten up is the the Flying Dutchman, which is Hofstra's mascot. Mascot. (laughs) So when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, how funny the fly. And and really, who would choose the Flying Dutchman as anything that needed to be anything intimidating? That guy was great. He's like, oh, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> I, know. I know, but I thought it was so funny. I was like, oh, my God, he's a flag dead. He went to right. Hofstra. But the funny thing is too insider for anybody to know. But um, uh, my other, we all know my friend Andy, uh, we all went to Hofstra and we saw Spider-Man 3 together. And before we 
well, maybe a week or two earlier, we had been talking about people from Hofstra we hadn't seen in a while. And I wonder what happened to so-and-so. We haven't stayed in touch mm-hmm. with so-and-so. And if you watch. Oh, I know um, what you're going to say. I, I could not I help it. laughing. Tears came to my eyes when Mary Jane gets kicked out of her first Broadway show. <laughs> and when she shows up again, they again, like not telling me I, didn't get, I, I was no longer cast as Laertes. They just put an arrow <laughs> to my name on the call board. Mary uh, Jane shows up to the theater to see the marquee <laughs> has already been changed. And it says Starring, instead of Mary Jane Watson, it says starring Andrea Rubin, who we went to Hofstra with, who was just a a person who went to Hofstra. But the tears that came to my eyes, because we had just been saying, we go like, wonder whatever happened to Andrea Rubin. And we're like, well, sure enough, she's replacing Mary Jane Watson on Broadway. Uh, All right. Well, let's dive in. Let's dive into the movie proper while we have Kevin with us. At least uh, uh, we talk about the first film, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Not everyone is meant to make a difference. But for me, the choice to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. He saved my life twice, and I've never even seen his face. You are... Amazing. After being bitten by a genetically modified spider, nerdy, shy, and awkward high school student Peter Parker, played by Tobey Maguire, gains bizarre arachnabilities, including enhanced strength, the power to climb walls and stick to surfaces, and the icky ability to shoot thick white streams of viscous fluid from his wrists. Adolescence allegory much? When his Uncle Ben, played by Cliff Robertson, dies making some rice. I'm so sorry. I should should look at my notes more carefully. Is killed after an apparent carjacking. Peter realizes that he had the power and the opportunity to stop the killer, but simply chose not to. From that moment on, he devotes himself to an almost monastic quest to fight crime and be a better man as the amazing, spectacular Forest Hills residing superhero known as Spider-Man. Also starring Kirsten Dunst as the love of Peter's life, Mary Jane Watson, and Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin, Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man film made history when it became the first film to earn over $100 million during its opening weekend, taking in $114.8 million on its way to a $407 million domestic total and a worldwide haul of $825 million. Fred, Dan, and Kevin, what did you guys think of Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man? Uh, you know what's funny about talking about it now is, um, you know, you you do have hindsight, and regardless of what I I felt then, which was I liked it a lot. I thought it succeeded in so many areas. Um, as we've now come to our third incarnation, if not more, but for the feature films, I realize how I, in my opinion, they nailed the tone. the The Peter Parker that Stanley and Steve Ditko created, I feel is encapsulated brilliantly by everybody on that screen. Um, maybe at the time I might've been like, Oh no, this one, but you know, Andrew Garfield, I thought there were too many, you could see the product producer notes. He was too hip mm-hmm. for me. There were too many things that I was like, you know, they would try to make it a video game. And this current mm-hmm. one is with Tom Holland is fantastic. It's just a little di- for a different generation, you know, and it's not when I, one of the things in creating the Marvel Spider-Man series that I, that I did on Disney XD was, and, and I love that they, they call it Marvel Spider-Man. It, it stands out so distinctly 
I say that sarcastically because I mean, <laughs> every time I say like, oh, I created Marvel Spider-Man, they're like, yeah, sure you did. But they, <laughs> they, they did that so that it would uh, differentiate yeah, from Excelsior. Ultimate. Excelsior. <laughs> exactly. They did that so it would distinguish itself from Ultimate Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man. But as a result, Marvel Spider-Man does sound somewhat generic. But uh, what, what I was coming off the heels of was Ultimate Spider-Man was a great series, but he was he was Spider-Man most of the time and it was very Saturday morning cartoon, you know, it was a lot of action stuff. Mm -hmm. And I kind of missed the angst that comes with Peter Parker, Yes, you know, and the rule of, of, of Spider-Man is, you know, whenever it's a win for Spider-Man, it's a loss for Peter Parker. And whenever it's a loss for Peter Parker, it's a a win for Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like someone is always losing. Um, And so I pitched to them, like, can we go back to that? Cause, and I I thought they were going to be like, no, we like the action. But they yeah. were very in tune with that. So I was happy because, and that's what I feel the 2002 version does very well is capture that angst. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, the ones I love will always be the ones who pay. I agree with you. I think the the one of the best things you can say about the Sam Raimi version is that he got so much stuff right so right that when Feige got the rights and stuff the MCU had to go a different right. way and do something different with the character because it had been done so well and then the Andrew Garfield one came along and you know right like you said you you said it all it 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 misses the mark by trying to recreate all those famous moments and the the Uncle Ben stuff and everything else, but to do it with a this modern, darker, grittier, dark nighty kind of take that ju- it just didn't fit. And so this Tom Holland incarnation is wonderful, but it's so different. As we've said before in the show, it's it's like it's a John Hughes universe totally. as much as it is a Marvel universe. And that's great. And it's fantastic. But it's not those comic books that I remember right. from my youth and the angst of being Peter Parker. Spider-Man 2 gets it better than any of the movies in terms of like, mm. oh, this poor fucker. Just right. yeah. everything yeah. goes wrong for this kid who can do anything. And but he's laid low constantly. And and yeah, the tone is so right with. Uh, yeah, with it's funny. I, I was I was thinking about the, the Spider-Man comics that I first started to read as well. And the, the particular series that I started with, I remember when I first got into comics and I had a subscription to it, it was called Peter Parker, yep. Spectacular Spider-Man. Right. And, <sighs> and and yes, you're right in what, what I think is, and look, whoever's playing Peter Parker, and that's why I, why I think Tom Holland is so great. I, love, I think his take as Peter is amazing. Um, but yeah, totally, you guys are absolutely right with this. What I, I'll tell you, well, a couple things with, um, with Tom McGuire, it, it's it was very obvious to me that he just came off doing a movie with Michael Caine because that motherfucker <laughs> does not blink. Ah, he, ah, I, I watched. He chooses an movie. eye. He chooses an eye. Yeah, <laughs> he talks directly to he it. Doesn't blink at all. I mean, he, I, and I notice this as the movies go on. He starts to blink a little bit more, but in this first one, holy smokes! But um, ah, that's funny. He's, I, I I loved. It's funny because and and you mentioned this earlier, Kevin, and you're absolutely right. When I saw it that opening night, I mean, the excitement in the air, it was tangible. And I remember feeling that there was something, I, I enjoyed it, but there was something about it that left me a little cold. Mm. It was mostly the Green Goblin. Right. Mm. Not that William Defoe 
was bad in it. I just, I think it was the mask. That's one of the funny things about the movie that I remember being a little, not thrown, but not loving the look of the Green Goblin only because oh, yeah. he reminded me a lot of Ultraman from Godzilla. Yes. You know, and there's, oh, and there's, yeah. there's yeah. that one scene where he's like talking to Spidey and he slaps him on the shoulder and it all looked very, you know, Godzilla-y. And I was like, I'm yeah. not buying this really. But it's uh, an amazing scene because it is like, it's like it's two toys talking to each other. Exactly. It's like a Power Rangers episode. Yeah, I was just going to say Power Rangers. There's no mouths. I could squash you like a bug right now, but I'm offering you a choice. Join me. Imagine what we could accomplish together. What we could create. Or we could destroy. Cause the deaths of countless innocents in selfish battle again and again and again until we're both dead. Is that what you want? about it hero that thing about everybody was like why that helmet why that helmet and it's because as you can see anytime in 2002 they try to animate a face yeah or anything that looks like an organic face it doesn't work so if you did anything that showed like because you're like willem dafoe has the perfect fucking face i was I gonna know. say you don't I have know. to do anything you don't have to do anything, yeah. anything. But when, it's true but when he's flying around you can't do right. any of that stuff and animate that correctly yeah. so you need something that exactly. is as as uh faceless as spider-man you know spider-man was the perfect character to to experiment with cgi like this so, and they, they uh, show oh, it a little bit with peter when he's trying to yeah. do his powers and he's like Woo-hoo! and he comes close to the screen you're like oh yeah that's that's a bad yeah. <laughs> You know, but, you know, they're attempting it. They're trying to do what they can. Each time I watch it, it actually, it holds up a little less and less for me personally as it goes on. I still, I I enjoy Tobey Maguire more and more as Peter Parker each time that I've watched it. Yeah. Um, But there was, and this time, this last time, what, what hit me and I think, and again, maybe this is just a product of Kevin Feige and Marvel and Batman and where we've come in, in you're right, Kevin, this is, and especially when he gets, especially when it's like the Spider-Man and the Green Goblin dialogue. I mean, it's dialogue right out of the comic book. Yeah. You and I are not so different. It was a little corny for me this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was harder to swallow because now what they've been able to do, they've been able to take these fantastical superhero characters, but still, you know, come up with scripts that are a little more grounded that still get, especially with Spider-Man, like we, we've talked about this with Civil War. There's that great one of, one of the moment to me that I was like, that's it. You got Spider-Man when Anthony Mackie's like, hey, people don't usually talk this much during yeah. fights. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. You, know? yes. exactly. Yeah. you have a metal arm? That is awesome, dude. You have the right to remain silent. Like at one point in in this, he's like, you know, um, it's you who's out, Gobby, out of your mind, which is (laughs) totally, you know, like a Stanley line from early Spider-Man, which was great. It just didn't seem earned to me in yes. this film yet. What happened, I think, and it's, it's really encapsulated in that Marvel logo that has evolved over time. And that yeah. is the 2002, and rightly so. It's not like anybody would do anything different to, to, to it over again. But those movies were looking to emulate the comics. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Spider-Man 2 and it's the, you know, Spider-Man no more. You've got so many images that are classic yeah. because they've been burned into our brains as this generation. Yeah. Now, 
the movies are in the forefront. So the current Avengers movies, right. Spider-Man movies are not paying homage really. I mean, the Civil War story, all that stuff, that's in the comics. But visually, they are not taking their cues from it. They are creating a new uh, generation with this. And then I think that, like I said, you see that when the Marvel logo used to be all the pages of the comic flipping. And now mm-hmm. when you watch it, it's all the scenes from your favorite Marvel movies, right. you know, and because yes. that's what comes yeah. to mind now. Not like, oh, that, you know, Steve Ditko or John Romita a senior drew that. And I remember that now it's that. Yeah. That fight between Cap and Iron Man and Civil War going, you know, those are the images you think of. You're absolutely right. It's absolutely a redefining right. of the of the whole way we see it. And see, that's so funny because I didn't grow up with the com- I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. read the comics growing up. I wasn't a comics kid like Fred and. And, and Jason, you would read Spider-Man comics as a kid, right? As Me? well, you're like crazy. Like I mean, crazy I, that, person, was, that right? was my Hulk character. And everything else. A, yeah, that and I, Hulk were my characters as a kid. The movies made me love Superman, but that, right. that's yeah. Superman. No, I agree. R- r- went to the top yeah. of the heap because of the movie, but Spider-Man as a, the comic books in my hands and the pajamas and everything. It was Spider-Man, Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man. Yes. Spider-Man, where are you coming from, Spider-Man? Nobody knows who you are. Yes, I mean, you know, I, I, I had my connections to the character were Electric Company, A, mm-hmm. B, a little show called Spider Man and His Amazing Friends. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. Why I didn't have any preconceived anything mm-hmm. coming into this movie, really, other than fucking Electric Company and the dumb Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> so I was like, this movie is fucking great, and I love that it's in his biology that it comes yeah, out I agree of that. Mm-hmm. wrists i fucking love that i actually don't like in the new ones that he's on top of everything else he's also a science whiz who has uh, created this amazing webbing i, I don't buy that you know i, I love it. that it's organically in him and, and yeah and that leads to the whole thing in spider-man 2 when he can't you know he can't no the oh, whole discovery buddy. sequence in this movie That's is true. one of the Fantastic. best like you know coming of age origin superhero sequences mm-hmm. ever. I mean, that's just a blast that, you know, was from the glasses, yeah. you know, the whole sequence of him climbing up the wall, the, uh, so good. what he's trying to do with it, you know, fly. <laughs> I, know, I know. He says, go web. Shazam. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Go web. Ramy loves it so much. He just loves the character so much. He's I know. Like, it's, so, it's, it's so warm. And, you know, you said, somebody said corny before that it has, and there is a corniness to it. And I think that corniness comes right out of the first, those early issues of it. Because I used to, as a kid, I would go back and I would get like compilations of the really, like the very first 1960s comics. And I read them all. And they are so simple and sweet and straightforward. And and like there's a scene, and I remember, and this is probably because I, I spent so much time with my grandparents as a child. But, you know, I was always fascinated. He was raised, but you never heard anything about the parents. And he's raised by elderly yeah. aunt and uncle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it reminded me of spending oh we spent God, so much course. time with my See, grandparents. That's why you personally connected with We lived oh my with God. my, it, half the time we lived with my mother, my, uh, my grandfather and grandmother when my mom was wow. working. We would stay at her house. And so many times it's getting up and having breakfast with your grandparents. And, yeah. and there's, a, a, there's an image from the first issue of Spider-Man. He's eating his pan- wheat cakes. They call them wheat cakes, not right. pancakes. He's eating his wheat cakes and, and, and the uncle's like 
you know, tussling his hair and, and Aunt May's cooking in the background. And I was like, it was just, I still remember that image so much. I was like, yes. Like it just felt like a warm hug. This yeah. blanket's like, yeah, your grandparents are there to protect you. And then in the same story, your grandfather gets killed and yeah. you're the yeah. reason and, and you have powers, but you, you're too lazy to use them or too selfish to use them and be a good boy and sit up straight and be Spider-Man. It was just so, but I, I think there's, there's a sweetness and a corniness to this particular movie or this series of movies it just landed they were making it before this happened but i think 9-11 is why this movie works so well and is was received so incredibly warmly because it's such pure escapism and it's got such a big gooey heart yeah and it's very feel good and innocent and simple and it's a real balm for the time that we are living in and coming out of and you just wanted to purely escape and just see a sweet candy colored superhero yeah. movie that also it, has a lot of uh, lots of merits but you know not saying it's overly simplistic but i think the tone really worked well at that time you mess with me you mess with new york you mess with one of us you mess with all of us i also love in rewatching some of these that um you know uh um what's his face from bruce campbell from evil dead does a lot of cameos <laughs> yeah. In this, and I, yep. I kept thinking, if you remember in um, the second one with um, when uh, uh, um, Alfred Molina's arms, they're about to saw them off him and he comes alive. Mm-hmm. And there's all that chainsaw action. I was like, you know, they thought, oh, yeah. is it too on the nose to have Bruce in this scene with the chainsaw? I was like, that, that <laughs> no, must have come yeah. up somewhere. But yeah. still, the guy looks at it and it zooms into exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, that's dead. We won't know the extent of the damage until we get in there, so I suggest we cut off these mechanical arms, slice up the harness, and if need be, consider a laminectomy. We're ready, doctor. Anybody here take shop class? By the second one, Sam Raimi just becomes so much more, it's so much more like confidently and assuredly directed. Yeah. And it's, that that's another thing about the first one is that there's definitely that, you know, at the time there was this interesting look to the movie. There was definitely, you could tell that they were doing things different. And that was a big thing that, oh my God, Sam Raimi was doing it because, you know, his, his, the big things were Evil Dead. I think he did that movie, A Simple Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Dark Man. Yeah, oh, right. that's right, Dark Man. Dark yeah. Man but so Sam you knew Raimi. there was oh going to be this aesthetic to it, which is there, yeah. but there's something, it's a little, it's almost, to there's a choppiness about it at times especially with the green goblin that i feel Mm -hmm. like by the time he gets to the second one he's able to breathe a little more and take his time and then you get to that operating room scene where he's like you know what motherfuckers i made everyone a lot of money exactly i'm doing this this is for me yeah this is for you know and he just and he just goes there and he just it breathes. It really yeah. breathes so much more. And that's really, I mean, everyone, the performances, but it's really Sam Raimi, what he's doing and just sort of like, okay, we did it. We did the grand experiment. It worked. Right. Now let's, right. let's exactly. really take our time it's, with it. It's also the problem of, you know, which happens all the time, which is Spider-Man one. You're, it's the 
It's the origin story, but yet at the same time, to give him a nemesis, you have to like have this parallel or origin story, right, and they're not right. really parallel. You know, the right. the great thing is yeah. that in Spider Man Two, it feels much more organic in terms of how the Molina story dovetails with Tobey Maguire's story, but in this one, it really does feel like it's like. Okay, here's a scene of here's part yeah. of the Spider-Man origin story, and now we're pasting in pages from a Green Goblin story. It's it does true. Have well, a, it's so funny. No, there's a pulled, jerkiness there going. You're absolutely and right. And there was certain things that pulled me out in that first one of like when, and this is just dopey stuff, but like when uh, <laughs> um, Tobey Maguire realizes what he wants his costume to look like, and he does like a straight up like John Romita Senior drawing. I was like, if you've got that kind of talent, why are you spending your time in the lab or swinging from? The, the rafters because there's an untapped potential there my friend yeah. and also to make that later on in Spider-Man 2 he's like I made it I was like you made that costume that's pretty amazing but you know I'm it, glad that you keep bringing up John Romita Sr. because I'm not a fan of John Romita Jr. I hope you're not good friends with him no, no. Wow. well Agreed. you know what's so funny I mean yeah I, I, I can respect his style but I think he had to he he duplicated his dad's style perfectly yeah. and then felt I need to do something of my own. So, you know, I give yeah. him the credit for that. But I am a John Romita senior, you know, uh, yeah. fanboy. You have a knack for getting in trouble. <laughs> you have a knack for saving my life. I think I have a superhero stalker. I was in the neighborhood. You are amazing. Some people don't think so. But you are. Nice to have a fan. Do I get to say thank you this time? Right at the beginning, he goes, this is a story about a girl. Yes. You know? Yeah. And Which that's I all three movies. All yeah, three movies so is true. about the par- Peter Parker, Mary Jane relationship. And if you don't have a good Kristen Dunst in there, yeah. the thing I mean, doesn't she work. Was, and she's so right. And she's phenomenal. I mean, did you guys see her in, was it season two of Fargo or season? Yeah, it must have been two. She's Dynamite. phenomenal. Jason, her you got to go. Her Showtime show is phenomenal. Uh, it's like an Amway. Right, she plays right, an Amway right. person. It's okay, called like gotcha. How to Be a Big Shot in Florida or something like that. It's ah, terrific. Right. It's I terrific. loved her in Melancholia. I loved her. She's good in everything. She's good in everything. She's great. But yeah, no, she really and and she, you're right, Dan. The first line of the movie is "This is a story about a girl," and then even you get to the the end of each movie is about them. It always comes back to yeah. them, them, them. Has right. to, and, uh, you know, the last shot of every one, and and really, you know, and we'll get to Spider Man three. But for all its flaws, it it's so it's such an interesting way to end that trilogy on that kind of her face, soft, quiet. Yep. Melancholy moment. of Well, she gets both of those at the end of two. That's an, an amazing final shot of her like in the being like, what have I done? I left the, you know, yep. I'm, I'm yeah. the man I love, but now this is what my life's going to be. And then at the end of three, when they're hugging after, the, you know, all the, you know, the, the turmoil of the relationship and the third one, and then they come together and you don't know if they're going to get together and last or not, but that it ends on them trying to start something new is pretty beautiful. Yeah, it really Gorgeous. is. I love it. Should we shield this one up? Do you have do you want to do you have time to go on to Spider-Man 2 for a bit, Kevin? Or? Sure, 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 sure. Great. All right. Well, what, that's, what? Um, how, yeah. How many Sheila's do you know our show gives? Rate, no, rate no, I was going to ask you what the this ten, is. <laughs> it's the 10 <laughs> Sheila rating system. Sheila is our oh, biggest uh, fictional fan. Um, <laughs> what? And what? we have Wait, named whoa, our. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll cut out the word fictional, but he needs to know what's happening. All right. Fair enough. Um, 
we have a fan named Sheila who's obsessed with Dan and who is half murder hornet. And we won't go into it any further than that. She's getting married to Richard Dreyfuss soon. a long time ago, we, uh, we decided that, uh, that we would name our rating system the Sheila scale. So 10 Sheilas. It's between one and 10 Sheilas. Okay, gotcha. You can, uh, whatever. Whatever that means to you. Gotcha. All right. My inner I Sheila. I always go by what Fred says. You go first, Fred. That's ridiculous. Me? Oh, golly. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to give this a uh, uh, seven Sheila's first Spider-Man seven Sheila's really that low. <laughs> now you're making me reconsider. I was going to go like eight point five nine. But now well, you're going to say, can you do points? Seven? Are we how, how broken down oh, are we getting? God, Dan yeah, does points. Do points. Yeah, I gave uh, something eight point two three the other day. I'm eight point five on this. I got to go eight point five. This time I side with Jason. But you know I have so many caveats that it's it's a, already a pain. But it's like it. are we are we putting them all? We're we're pairing them up to each other, right? What you're talking about one, two, and three? Because because here's the thing: if if I look at all movies, all superhero movies that I love, I think Spider Man is going to be maybe a little lower than say for me Superman or, or Superman two. Sure, but but in scale of these three movies, I know I like them. You know. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 3, obviously. I, I, they're all going to be somewhere let me help close. You. Let me help Please, you. Please, Dan, to, I look to, to you for to, guidance. No, thank you. Let me help you to, 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 to sort of, in the greater pantheon of Sheila's, where things have fallen. Oh, okay. Fred, Fred, <laughs> Fred has given Megaforce a 15 yeah. on a scale <laughs> of 1 to 10. That goes off scale. Megaforce starring Barry <laughs> Bostwick and Persis Kambata gets a 15. Seven, the movie Seven, we all gave it a 10 or so. Okay. And the movie Nothing But Trouble, they gave it a <laughs> negative something. I gave it a two. So if that is helpful to you. That is. So, so what he was saying is good movies get high scores and bad ones get really low ones. <laughs> clearly. And then, things clearly. We love, then things we love from our childhood that are not good, but we love them, also do quite well. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I will. I will give. Um, I'll give Spider this first Spider Man. Um, I'll give it an eight. Nice. Okay. Very good. Nicely very, very done. Good. I would drop mine down to an eight because of Kevin. <laughs> Kevin said. Why are you? Why don't you have the courage of your convictions? I feel like the second one's better. Well, I, I do, do too. too. I'm gonna go there's higher. Room on the scale. That's there's why I went eight. Scale. Although I saw yeah, two like- with you on opening weekend. We were in Nebraska and we saw it and we came out and I was like. Oh my God, that's the best. Oh, I got gushing. I was like, I can't believe how it, it up the end. It was great, great, great. And you were like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I mean, you like, it's better than the first, right? And you're like, I like them equally. I remember you're in the parking lot. You're like, I like them equally. It's Spider-Man. Was he Walter Matthau? He, he, like he's been oh, Walter really? Matthau since we met him in 1991. <laughs> he's continued to be Walter Matthau. No need to bring race into this, Armand. <laughs> I said, get out of that bathroom, Mimsy. Because you went to the bathroom after the movie. Let's do it. Spider-Man 2. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Gives us strength, makes us noble. Even though sometimes we have to give up the thing we want the most. Parker! Where you been? Looking for you all morning. You're late. Always late. You're fired. Look at you, baby. Your grades have been declining. You always appear exhausted. I know. I'm trying. Where you been, pal? You don't return my calls. I've been kind of busy. 
Taking pictures of your friend. Spider-Man killed my father. No matter what I do. Do you love me or not? No matter how hard I try. I want Spider-Man dead. It's the ones I love who will always be the ones who pay. I can't keep thinking about you. I'm getting married. I want a life of my own. I'm Spider-Man. No more. When a failed nuclear fusion experiment results in an explosion that kills his wife and fuses four sentient metal tentacles to his central nervous system, Dr. Otto Octavius, played by Alfred Molina, is transformed into Dr. Octopus. Nicknamed Doc Ock by the public and the press, including J.K. Simmons' pitch-perfect J. Jonah Jameson, the newly mad scientist blames the accident on Spider-Man, again played by Tobey Maguire, after initial injuries and contract disputes almost saw him replaced by future Mysterio Jake Gyllenhaal. Meanwhile, Spidey's alter ego Peter Parker faces fading powers and self-doubt. Complicating matters are his best friend's hatred for Spider-Man and his true love's sudden engagement to another man. Also starring Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, and Rosemary Harris, Spider-Man 2 has generally agreed to be the best of the Raimi trilogy, though ironically it was the least lucrative, taking in only $88.2 million <laughs> over its opening weekend, on its way to just $373.6 million domestically, and a paltry worldwide box office of $789 million. But, Fred, Dan, Kevin, where do you guys land on Spider-Man 2? Spider-Man 2, always, I, I was never a huge fan of it when it first came out. I, I enjoyed it, but I remember everyone was like raving about it, saying this is one of the best superhero movies ever. And then I rewatched it again before the superhero episode, and I thought, oh, you know what? No, this is this is really good. I don't know what it was back then that it, it didn't get me. And then in rewatching it again, I really, really, really loved it. You're absolutely right, Jason. I was lukewarm about it when we saw it, like Fred was. Um, I wasn't like, I was like, oh yeah, it doesn't quite capture. See, I love all the, I'm going to get you, Gobby. I love all that shit, <laughs> you know? I Give me that. Like crazy, I, I I'll eat that with a spoon. But <laughs> what I didn't, you know, I love this so much better watching it last night. I watched two and three back to back yesterday, and the difference is it's weird seeing a, a trilogy over that was made over five years, yeah. six yeah. years, yeah. whatever, within a couple of days of each other because yep. you just go, wow, this is uh, just tonally. Did they forget tonally where yeah. they hit their wheelhouse or whatever? It's just mm -hmm. a very interesting phenomenon because it's like oh you, you forget that this was years in the you know over the whole span of it but anyway um no i i was i was lukewarm on it too jason i remember that because i don't know what it was about it that fell flat for me but what i loved about that first one i i i i think that i i missed sort of the um i missed sort of being surprised i guess i don't know what it was by by how much i was moved by it but on this rewatch i was more moved by the second one because yeah. of all the almosts with mary jane yeah you know mm -hmm. and, and all of the the missed connections and the oh will they or won't they i i was probably at the time too <laughs> stupid immature young whatever it was even though it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like i was 16 or something right. but it was like i just couldn't appreciate that part of it and now it's kind of what i appreciate the most of it uh, out of all the whole trilogy is their mm -hmm. journey and the like kevin was saying before the angst of just like being this guy who anytime things go well for spider-man doesn't go so well for for his relationship with Mary Jane. And, and that second one captures that, um, I think, very, very well. Because, you know, you don't get better than than her saying, 
how about I help you? How about we're in it with each other instead of separately? Go get him, Tiger. Yeah. I mean, I had tears in my eyes. You know, this yeah, time. it gets me every time. I've seen this movie dozens of times, <laughs> and I get the ch- and I'm always like, "Is this going to be the one where it where it doesn't where, where it works, <laughs> but it know. doesn't like <sighs> kill me?" I get a chill. She looks at him. She says, "Go get him," t-. and I'm like, "I feel the chill. I feel the tears." <laughs> so here I am, standing in your doorway. I've always been standing in your doorway. Isn't it about time somebody saved your life? We'll say something. Thank you, Mary Jane Watson. You want to talk about angst, um, you tell me or any theater goer or people who work in the theater, the true angst for me came when he's going to see her in the play and the, they cut to her and they say, five minutes, Miss Watson. And they cut to him still on his scooter coming. And I said, nobody cuts it that close. You need to be in your seat by at least your ass a there. quarter till. I was like, what was he thinking? If you were Peter Parker in that movie, you would have snuck in after the matinee. Said, oh, I think I left my, exactly. my code in there. Exactly. And you would have, would have done, Fred. Bruce Campbell would be like, but sir, there's no good. <laughs> and you'd be lying on the seat. It's so true. It's so true. I would not have disappointed Mary Jane. I left my coat in no, there last night when Puppetry of the Penis was performing the late night show. It's so true. But when that there. happened, I thought only theater people would think, oh, he's not leaving nearly enough time. Of course he's not going to make the curtain. Uh, no, he's never going to make it. And as I said in another episode, I've never seen a stage manager so happy before. <laughs> Five minutes. Five minutes. No. I know. That's not I know. It's so real. true. It's so true. Or how yeah. big that off-Broadway theater was. My God. It was like, I think they were using the, you know... The majestic. I was like, "What? Why? That? Those yeah, it was lights like the court big. or something." I was like, what? "This is the first time that I saw the ticket said off Broadway." I was like, "This is Broadway theater." That's <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And I love no. that she's also. I mean, she's doing really well for herself. She's uh, she's the cover girl for whatever that ad is all over buses. She's in this yeah. off Broadway play that's being treated like a Broadway play. Yeah. She's five yeah. seconds out of school, and she's she like, lost it all to Andrea Rubin. So <laughs> <laughs> I have been in this business 52 years and I will I've never seen anything like this oh, oh my god. god yeah I agree with you Dan I was really um, I've really the more and more I watch the second one the more I enjoy it I remember you saying that in the superhero episode Jason how much yeah. like that the ending moved you and and I don't know and you know what and I was the same way about X2 when I first saw it I loved right. the same first for me, X-Men <laughs> everyone was raving about X2 and I was like meh uh, even Alfred Molina I wasn't even though I'm a, such a huge fan of his, I wasn't as crazy about him. I didn't understand it the first time I saw it. Now I get it. Now I really yeah. like what he's doing. Yes. I yeah. love the the arc of it. It all makes sense. I feel anytime you have a villain that you could be sympathetic about, you know, in a sense they did, and that they didn't ape this, but they they took like, they made him human the way you'd make Mr. Freeze in 
the Batman universe, mm-hmm. they they turned him from a, I'm just an always bad guy to oh wait, he lost his love, he did this. Yeah. You, you make these guys a little right. more gray as opposed to black and white. And right. I think there's a more interesting story there. I had the opportunity to work with Alfred Molina on this pilot um, called, what was it called? It was called Monday Mornings at the time. I forget what it wound up being. But so much to to say to him, like, I loved you in Raiders. I loved you in Spider-Man. I loved you all this. I, lo- I, I could <laughs> yes. go on and on. But what I chose to lead with was, I love it how in Boogie Nights, he, I don't know if it was an ad lib, but yes. when he sings that Rick Springfield song, he's like, oh, I wish that I had Jesse's girl. I'm so jealous. He ad libs. <laughs> yes. And my, I, my Ricky wife, Springfield. Yeah, my wife and I can't hear that song without adding, I'm so jealous. Cause he always says that in the movie. And I was like, that, I'm going to take my one shot and put, I'm going to die on this hill. James Franco, he's the biggest pro, and I like James Franco. I, 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 I've always enjoyed him. I think he's I like the best him. in this one. I was going to say I don't mind him in. I like you know, him in this one. I, I don't mind him in this one either. And and I didn't I didn't mind him in the first one really. At first, I was kind of like even Willem Dafoe. I was like, is that is that who I pictured Norman Osborn being? You know, yeah. but yeah. I mean, it's it's clearly a goblin. But then you cover his face up, so you know, we we have that same problem. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind him in this one uh, going into the third one, maybe because I knew too much going in, but it was so, uh, evident that the actors were complaining that there was not enough face time for them and they were hiding behind these masks. Cause it, in three, every opportunity they get, they lose their mask. They're always like, wait, I, I have to, t- I, you can't hear me unless I'm, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, they're like, this could be You're anybody. Right. And I think after he was yeah. almost replaced, uh, you know, yeah. Tobey Maguire was like, let's make sure this is my face on here and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you were saying, Fred, I think what's also great about this is they focus on a key story. And they may have tweaked it a little bit, but it's the Spider-Man No More, which, again, was this whole big thing in the comics. Even the third one, it gets into the problem of doing too much. Like with Justice League, those movies, it's like it's it's enough you meet everybody, but you don't also have to do the Doomsday Spider uh, Superman death in the same movie. The, the next right. one tries to do too many villains. This one just does it right. They focus on Peter and his relationship with Mary Jane and yes. his responsibility. And then the pressures that it's adding. And I think that always uh, delivers better than when you try and do too much and introduce too many other characters. There, there are two characters that I always thought, would they have done something with? I mean, there are plenty of characters because once we saw Doc Ock in Spider-Man 1, we thought, OK, well, he's going to come back as the lizard at some point, And he never did. And then oh, Doc uh, Connors. Uh, I'm, Doc, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Doc Connors. Connors. Doc Connors. Exactly. Yeah. And then even Who is um, that? I'm, I'm blanking on Dylan, Dylan Baker. Baker. Dylan Baker was his professor who only has one arm. And if you know the comics, you know that he becomes the lizard. And so I think the word, the Come plan on. was. So that's what they were setting him up to be. Yeah, yeah. They were. Well, there was a plan for a fourth movie. There was exactly. But like, yeah. even but it wasn't like, going to have the lizard. It wasn't going to have the lizard. Oh. And like uh, Jay Jonah's son, uh, John Jameson in the comics becomes Man Wolf. Man Wolf. And who I thought I love. that's a possibility. <laughs> All, see, uh, the Man thing is, Dan, everybody in these comics is somebody. <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to say this, Kevin, because I, what I've always thought, first of all, yeah, Dylan Baker got robbed. And if they do a multiverse yeah, thing, exactly. in, you know, in the MCU where they're bringing people back, they should rectify that and let him be a lizard. Absolutely. Because amazing <laughs> Spider-Man shit the bed with that. But it's like Billy D. Williams. Wasn't he supposed to be? Yeah, two-faced? he was two-faced. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
But um, I would have loved that, by the way. Hello, what have we here? I want you to tell all your friends about me. And who might you be? I'm Batman. And how you doing, Chewbacca? I'm Batman. But what I was going to say about um um, oh the J- John Jameson, it's set up so perfectly. I know he's Manwolf, but he goes to the moon. He comes back with a, 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 a an annual. Yes. I remember this comic and as a kid. Of course. I think I had scared. it on a record, too. Dude, <laughs> I had that record, and it scared the living fuck out of me. It was the comic book with one of those little Peter Pan records that you can put yep. on the 45. I don't think I've ever seen you so excited. the story to you. Because, say, dude, please this turn was, the page. Yes, it would do that. but it would say, please turn the page, ding, and you're four years old, yeah. and you turn the page, and it's, a ravening monstrous wolf with with a uh, drool coming out of its mouth and teeth and you hear on the record it's like and i'm like i'm like oh my god i had horrible nightmares horrible nightmares from this little record but wait that was manwolf yeah. manwolf yeah was that simon mccorkendale no that's manimal that's manimal i have been in this business 52 years and i will I've never seen anything like this. It's an incredible character, and it is. He goes to the moon on an expedition. He comes back with a moon rock. I just wanted to say McCorkendale, sorry. <laughs> I have been in this business 52 years, and I will... I've never seen anything like this. It fuses to his throat. Yes, right. And, he beca- and, then, and then with the full moon, it, it, yeah, he can't, like, right he can't get rid of yeah. it. It's the, like Spider-Man. It bothered me. Spider-Man rips it from his throat. He has to rip off the, yep, the fur yep. and the flesh to get the moon rock off to make oh, him wow. transform. It's a great character. But what I thought was going to happen, he gets jilted by at Mary altar, Jane at the right. end of this at the altar. So he's set up with a motivation. He's a fucking astronaut. Right. I don't need him to be man wolf, but he should have been <laughs> venom. He should have brought that fucking black that goo so much more sense. Mm-hmm. from outer space as opposed to just here we are. Having a picnic in a web, and now black a meteor goo. lands next to me, and Stupid. just go with it. It's Stupid. black goo that I can know, walk. I know you're so. Oh, right. We're at the same I fucking like, church for no reason. Can I just say something? Yes. yes. I had two book and records growing up. One was Samson and Delilah. <laughs> I love the, the pause was, you leave for that. <laughs> The, uh, no, because these guys know this will all the get The other coming. one was the, the sec- rape of Lucrece. <laughs> no. no. The Almost Duchess of Malfi. The second one was Bo- <laughs> Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. <laughs> you know how both these bi- Bible stories end? With massive death. You won the contest. Samson goes, and pushes the thing and kills all the Philistines. And Joshua does something similar and kills all the people. It was like, what? You won the contest. Considering everybody always winds up being someone in these movies, the the Russian girl across the hall from Peter in Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Yeah, she's She's great. And people, I remember at the time people were like, is she going to become the black cat? Is she so right. and so? Is she so and so? And it's like some people are just neighbors. <laughs> I really liked her. Russian I was actually neighbor. very sad that they that they didn't get together. Like, know. you know that he's going to end up with Mary. But I, I, I thought she was really lovely and so adorable. And I, I was like, oh, that would be nice. You, Come on. You talk about the way the movie takes its time, Fred. And I think one of the most it's it's really again these movies are all heart they're the, these the, as far as superhero movies go other than Christopher Reeve and Superman the, the biggest 
beating heart in a, in a comic book movie is 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 really Sam Raimi's. I think you know, like just yeah. he's such a a, yeah. a love and the and. And there's, oh God, all of the stuff with Aunt May, Rosemary Harris, I think is beautiful. I know people make fun of that. Well, a hero is a person who comes and you wave but flag, but it yeah. works. I really I liked it this time. Gorgeous. People made horrible fun of it when the it came out. The first time I saw it, I was like, boo. Watching I, it this time, I was like, bravo. Yeah, that's it. fantastic. It's meticulous. It's beautiful. Everybody loves a hero. People line up for them, cheer them, scream their names. And years later, they'll tell how they stood in the rain for hours just to get a glimpse of the one who taught him to hold on a second longer. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble. But the moments early on where she's she's getting foreclosed on and she's trying to give him a $20 bill for his birthday... Mm -hmm. And she has the, and he's like, I can't take that. And then she gets so angry with him because her pride, her pride. is wounded. Yeah. She's like, just take the money. Please right. take the mm-hmm. money. It's a beautiful portrayal. But about that girl, the Russian girl, this huge, big budget blockbuster superhero <laughs> movie takes like three minutes for a girl at, at his lowest ebb, this poor right. son of a bitch's lowest ebb, where he's like, I don't know what to do. He's talking to himself, staring right. out the window like, why well, am I not supposed to have a life? And then the girl across the way just says, I made a cake. Would you like a piece of cake? Yeah. Would you like some milk? Sure. And then we sit and watch him finish the piece of cake and finish the milk in silence and hand to it's beautiful. It makes yeah. me want to cry yeah. because I know. it's just I know. a tiny moment of kindness. And the yet the movie is simplest thing. And yet the movie yeah. is not three hours long. Like a lot of these movies yeah. are nowadays. It's like, yeah, that was included. It was a, a beautiful moment. It helped the situation, you know, but this it's is why great. you need those moments. Of, the moments of stillness like that make the moments of action more powerful. You yes. need a break, yes. you know, and there's so many you. movies now, like, you know, uh, 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 these Liam Neeson movies and things where it's just <laughs> like from the first moment to the last moment, it's action, 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 action. You never get a break. And it's like, yeah, I can't, I, agree. I can't be, I, I'm not on board, you know, yeah. because I, nothing resonates because it's all in your face, in your face, in your yeah. face, editing, editing, you know, you need the stillness. And I love that, that, and, and evil dead does that too. Believe it or not, you know, it Evil does. Dead yeah, has you're right. ebbs and flows, you know, the, that series, hmm. even Army of Darkness, as fucking crazy as that movie is, has its moments of quiet, you know, where it's like, we're just going to sit in this for a while. He's brilliant. And so does, uh, what's that movie uh, 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 that you like, Fred, Drag Me to Hell? Even Drag, Drag Me to Hell, hell yes. I love yeah. That's right. You know, it's yeah. funny, and this goes, this is uh, an old, old movie, but I sat in on a, uh, a seminar, not a seminar, a, uh, a talkback with Paul Mazursky, who did uh, Harry and Tonto, oh, yeah. that movie from the 70s. And oh God, yeah. he talks about, and it's just so funny because he talks about how they were traveling through, with the film, through the Grand Canyon, and it started to snow in the Grand Canyon. And so they got their cameras out and they filmed it. And he goes, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. He said, and then we just couldn't find time for it in the movie. And he goes, and now we've lost that footage. But hearing that story, I go back and I watch that movie. And there is a scene where Art Carney is sitting at a strip club. And this woman is dancing for him for what seems an eternity. And I was like, seriously, you couldn't trim this a little to include snowing in the Grand Canyon? He was like, we just we just couldn't find the time. We just couldn't find the time. It's so easy to do that. You just you 
you, you, you zoom into Art Carney's face and then his eyes just go up like this and you just fade into the snow. Like That's this. exactly right. And then you come back to that. the strip. Oh, damn, you missed your call. Art about. Carney's choice. Yeah, like, it's true. Don't be cutting that. the camera off that stripper. <laughs> Much better looking than, uh, than Nala and Itchy. Trust me. Boy. What about that subway fight, huh? That elevated train fight. I didn't oh even bother God. me. You know what I mean? Like the reality, you're so like, oh, New York no City. elevated train. It's I like, know. no elevated yeah. train, but who gives two rats fucks? Oh, that is elevated trains in Queens, but not in Manhattan. Queens, yeah. There's there is in one Manhattan. in Manhattan. It goes up. I mean, you're talking about two iconic moments in, uh, in, I mean, there's more than two, but I mean, and one because it was in the preview, but I mean, that train scene is so iconic mm. that you can't even think of Spider-Man without thinking of that. And it's been emulated in the yeah. comics and all sorts of places. And yeah, even right. um, that I remember thinking it was great when I saw the preview of him, of Peter talking to Mary Jane in that coffee shop. And then in her in her reflection or the spider sense in the <gasps> car, it was wow. so beautifully shot. Oh, it was like amazing. That yeah. one gave me chills yeah. on this rewatch. Yeah. And I knew it was coming. You know, because again, I remember from the trailers trailer, as well. Still, it was so well but done. Still. Kiss me. Kiss you. I need to know something. Just one kiss. Can we talk about uh, J.K. Simmons now? Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photos. Menace? He was protecting that armor I'll tell you what, Atticus, you take the pictures, I'll make up the headlines, okay? All right? That okay with you? Yes, sir. Goody. Give this to the girl up front, just so you get paid. I'd like a job, sir. No jobs? Freelance. Best thing in the world for a kid your age. You bring me some more shots of that newspaper-selling clown, maybe I'll take him off your hands. But I never said you have a job. Meat. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. Oh my God. I mean, talk about something that like that's literally pull it's it's like they just took the comic and yes. you know they were like yes. Shazam and they brought the you know the, even looks the, like the, the drawing to life. Yes. Yeah. But it works. It you know, so works. It could he's so good and it could so veer into just being ridiculous and caricature, which it, there is an aspect to it, but he's just so good with it. And it's, it's great. It's like from, from the moment he shows up in the first one, it's just a joy. You're like, ah, I know. yes, I, I know. want he that. Delivers. It's brilliant. It, it, the thing is, it's not actually, you know, in the comic book, he's a much angrier yeah. and darker guy. He doesn't oh, okay. have as much warmth and humor. Right. Right. You know, that's a that's a that's J.K. Simmons brilliance and Sam Raimi and everybody like they just realized this guy is so kind of over the top. Like it's it was such a smart move to take him in this direction so that yes. he is so likable and a fan favorite as opposed to just another villain in a way. But true. Um, and he does get yeah. all great laughs because he is so genius in those, you know, in those moments. He's so good. What are we going to call this guy? Uh, uh, Dr. Octopus. That's crap. Uh, uh, Science squid. Crap. Dr. Strange. That's pretty good. But it's taken. Wait, wait, I got it. Dr. Octopus. Uh, but, uh, I like it. Of course you do. Dr. Octopus. New villain in town. Doc Ock. Genius. What, are you looking for a raise? Get out. 
And he's so kind. The, the great moment, which is from the first film, is when Gob- Green Goblin's got him. Yeah. And he's like, tell me who takes the pictures. And you think like, well, this guy doesn't give a shit about this kid, yeah. this yeah, freelance yeah. kid. But he protects him at, yeah. Uh, yeah, at his own peril. And I yeah. think that's a. I love the scene in two where he, he keeps throwing the symbol at Peter Parker's yes. head. <laughs> it's like, not, not quite my tempo. <laughs> no, not quite my tempo. I think you're, I think you're, no, yeah, all right. All right, Fred. We'll let that go. We'll let that go. Yeah. And he's like, we'll call him Whiplash. That's it. <laughs> there is a character named Whiplash, Oh no, actually. that's an Iron Man too. Shit. That's Mickey Rourke. It's like, wait a second. Um, it, I want to point out that Rosemary Harris gets two big laughs one in each Spider-Man one and Spider-Man two. And it's the same gag. And it's when she slaps somebody in Spider-Man one. I remember one of the <laughs> biggest, uh, biggest laughs coming from when Norman Osborn goes to cut the turkey <gasps> and she slaps his hand. And he looks at her like, I'm going to effing kill you. Sharpening the knife. And then he's sharpening the knife. And then in, in, uh, in Spider-Man two, she does the same bit when Joel McHale goes, I guess after the battle, like candies have been on the floor and he goes to pick one up and she yes. slaps him. And I'm like, this, <laughs> woman just really she's got a violent streak in her but they they worked the first time they're like we're gonna go again michael shaban had written one of the earlier or i never know how to pronounce his name he's one of my favorite authors but he he wrote that's how you you pronounce (laughs) he wrote one of the earliest screenplays and in that version i was reading uh doc ock was actually a contemporary of Peter's. Yes. He was a young guy. Right, right. And that was the whole thing. Like thing. there no. was a romantic thing and he got he got jilted. Uh, I, th- I think by Mary Jane, yeah. maybe that's yeah. what it was, mm. but it was a whole totally different story, which actually seems sort of interesting. I mean, I can see them doing that now, you know, that, that would be like the version right. they would exactly. do now. But. Exactly. I think Raimi's, um, I, yeah, I agree. I like that. I read that, that Chabon had done that too with it. And I think, I think Raimi is such a purist and I think it's what, what gets him in trouble with Spider-Man three, because he never, you know, Venom was not right. Wasn't his time, wasn't his Spider-Man, wasn't the 60s, 70s Spider-Man. So he didn't have the interest. But I think he probably always saw like, no, Doc Ock is this older, right? Little, yeah, you know, right. a little heavier. Gentleman. He's like, you know, he's like a middle aged guy with a little bit of a belly. And that's I exactly. want that image. I like that image, even though I think the contemporary thing would have been a very cool. Would have uh, been cool. Peter Parker. And the girlfriend. What do you want? I want you to find your friend, Spider-Man. Tell him to meet me at the West Side Tower at 3 o'clock. I don't know where he is. Find him. Or I'll peel the flesh off her bones. If you lay one finger on her... You'll do what? Just want to say I have like 10 minutes left if we want to if you no. I'm, fi- I'm fine continuing on as we go or whatever you want to do. I just want to give you a heads up. Well, did you want to say something else? Fred? I was going to say we can do we can do the Sheila's with you and then you have to go. You can just say what your your hot take on Spider-Man three and <laughs> give us your Sheila's on that okay. on your way out the door and then we'll bury the body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You're gone. laughs> wow. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was about the comics. It was about the superior uh, oh, Spider-Man yeah. stuff that Kevin, you know, had a hand Which in. Which I so, love doing that because it was it was such a you talk about like the, the the refreshing bit of being able to do the Tom Holland because you're not doing the origin story. You have a little different take on it. But to be mm-hmm. able to take on Spider-Man with a different personality, with a guy who doesn't give a crap and who does, you yeah. know, who's not 
thinking with great power comes great responsibility was so refreshing and just fun, you know, because every line was almost a joke because you expect the altruistic, you know, statements of Spider-Man coming out of his mouth. And instead you had Doc Doc (laughs) being like, nope, every man for himself. So was Spider-Man too superior <laughs> to Spider-Man? Ah, like, look at that. This one up? Oh, we yeah, lost yeah, another yeah, female. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we may have lost Sheila with this one. We um, may have. You know never. what? I, I, in watching them again, I, I, they're closer than I had remembered. In my mind, mm. it was like mm. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 3. But, then, but I was like, you know, there's a, a lot of good stuff here that I think they got right. So I would even go like... 8.5 or 8. Yeah. 8.5 for Spider-Man two over the eight that I gave Spider-Man. I'm I sound like, I sound like I disappointed all of I'm you guys. A, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm a 10, but I mean, it was number four on my superhero movies list. I still, still, as much as I love the Tom Holland ones, I still, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. And, uh, yeah. And I know it's got, I know it's not perfect, but in a way it is kind of fucking perfect. It is. So, it is for wow. that time. You know, there's a, a a purity to this one that um that makes it a ten Sheila for me. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm 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 between eight point five and nine. This movie's really jumped up in my estimation. Yeah. And I mean, even if you asked me when we did the superhero movie, I probably would have said the superhero episode. I would probably be around an eight on that rewatch. And then rewatching it again, I really, I just really appreciate the time it takes and what they're doing here. So I'll uh, uh eight eight point eight. Oh, all How right. How about that? Good. Oh, eight good, point good, good. eight. Oh my good, goodness. Good. good. Yeah. Uh, what did I just give Spider Man for the first one? Spider Man. Pete Spider Man. Pete Spider Man from Ron Murray Konkuma. Spider Man. <laughs> Certified <laughs> public accountant. Murray Spider Man from Ron Konkuma. I gave it eight. I will uh, give yes. Saul Spider Man two. An 8.5. You're going to yes. lose you, right? Are we I'm, about to I'm lose so you? sorry. No. I'm so enjoying this. No. no I, you know, I'll and then came Spider-Man 3. So. <laughs> no, no, no. You're getting out while the getting's good. You, you, you no. figured out a way to keep it a pleasant experience. Exactly. exactly. No, I'll be honest with you. I didn't have a chance to go back and watch, the third, uh, watch Spider-Man 3, but I remember not hating it as much as everybody else did. I remember not liking it. Me neither. Same. But I remember, yeah. you know, I laughed out loud when he did his BG stay in a live walk. And I was like, it's a it's a I strong it. take. It's a strong take. It's it's that bold Raimi choice. It's a yeah. bold choice, and I think it's very funny and very well. Done. I do too. I mean, and the I, thing is, everyone else looks at him like he's an idiot. That's why it works. Like if suddenly, like point, the girls, Fred. like oh, like that would have exactly. been silly. But good point. exactly, yeah. I, I was. I only saw it once. I saw it the one time it came out, and then I hadn't seen it since. Oh, wow. And I kept waiting. And the rewatch I was like, oh, there's that dance sequence that everyone <laughs> lambasts <laughs> and hates. <laughs> and I was watching. I'm going, I sort of like this. This is funny. I love it. It's I ridiculous, my, but my, it's funny. My only complaint is that thing we talked about which is too much going on i don't think we yeah, need it yeah. you had enough with harry you know finding out and then becoming goblin and all that stuff and you don't you don't need again two two villains whose uncle is that butler that's in every movie who gets like <laughs> the monologue it's, i've it's like, heard it's someone why? i can't remember it's but i did hear it's someone's dad. dad or something like that it's not his dad but i think it's someone's friend or whatever but I knew I can't. your father, and your father was never your father, and I'm your father. <laughs> I was That's like, not what? not your father's father. I was like, please, Bye. no. 
I also like how that's proof. That it's fuck? like he died by his own hand because I know yeah, the knife what? that cut him came from his glider. Like somebody else couldn't be like, take this fucking glider, you son of a bitch, and stab him with it. It's so true. It's so true. The blade that pierced his body came from his gilder. Okay, his glider. That's right, glider. That's right. All right, here we go again. Okay. The blade that pierces heart. That's right. All right, Johnny, you're doing great. Boy. You love getting the laughs in dailies. Okay, here uh, we go now. The blade that pierced his body came from your glider. No, his glider. The blade that pierced his body came from his trailer. You won the contest. I have one, I'll tell one story before I have to go about casting oh. people uh, nepotism wise. So um, in creating the Spider-Man series, um, I have two writers under me at, for the season one, uh, my friend Kevin and Doc. And so we created this one character. He's a bully. He comes in for one line, you know, and so we call him like uh, Kevin Wyatt or whatever, which was their two names combined. I was like, great. <laughs> and without knowing it, my own agents send me an audition for this role of which oh. I've, I've written, you know what I mean? And, I, and, and so I was like, and so I'm in the studio when I get the email, I'm like, guys, and all the execs are there and stuff. And I said, I just got this email from my agents auditioning for this. And they're like, oh my God, that'd be so funny. You should, you should totally do the voice. Cause then it'll be all three of you combined. I was like, I'm not going to waste my time for what? And they said, you should. I was like, all right. So I go home and I put it on tape. And I throw it in. They don't give it to me. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I said, you know, I could have given it to the engineer. It's one lie. I said, this could have been a morale builder for everybody. And the only reason this has a happy ending is because I auditioned for Bruce Banner and got that. And that's why I can't complain about it because I'm Bruce Banner. But I was so beside myself. Like, you couldn't give one line to someone you knew. I I mean, again, look at the butler. Somebody knows that guy. The blade that pierced his body, the blade that pierced his heart, the blade that pierced his body, pierced his heart, pierced his trailer. You son of a bitch. Maybe that's what they were thinking of. Like, we don't want another Spider-Man 3 Butler situation. We don't want another you know Bernard what? scenario. That's, that's so true. You know what, you've made a good point for them. The blade, that blade, his blade, 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 blade. Shut up! This has been fantastic. I seriously could talk forever, but uh, that would be boring. So I will. (laughs) (laughs) Will you, uh, well, two things. Will you give us your Sheila's for Spider-Man 3? And then, well, yeah, give us your Sheila's. Um, Well, the thing is, like I said, I try and find the good in whatever I can, because I know how hard, difficult it is to get these things out there, even though I complain Mm -hmm. like the best of them. So I would go, uh, I'm not going to go any lower than like a 6.5 or 7. Because uh, it's definitely below the others, but there's a lot of there's a lot of talent on that screen, too. So that's where I'm going with that. Absolutely. And we will. Yeah. And we'll give ours in a little bit. But the other thing I wanted to ask you before you go is uh, tell us a little more about the comic that's coming out. Uh, I said Web of Spider-Man, but I did not specify that Web is not just the word Web. (laughs) Well, uh, they've announced that. uh, Yeah, I'm doing this comic called Web of Spider-Man and Web is an acronym called Worldwide Engineering Brigade. To which I said, "Isn't that whoa, whoa, web?" And they they weren't they weren't they weren't tickled by that comment. Anyway, um, there is a great new attraction that's opening up in Disneyland, and I think in all the Disneyland parks. Um, 
that involves Spider-Man and the, and, and so they wanted a comic to kind of tie into this and it's a series. Um, I think we had at least five issues. And so I've been working on that and I, we started this before, uh, COVID hit, but then the parks got shut down. So now we're trying to just time it with them. And so I believe issue number one comes out either the end of May or the beginning of June. And so it'll be, it's good. It's a good comic. It's a good comic for everybody. It's, you know, park mentality and, and it's a, it's a read for everyone. So if you're awesome. interested in that, you go check it out. Thank yes. you. So, and you so can much. get get Kevin's uh, Star Wars books, Force Collector. That's right. That's right. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, this is going to be a plug central. My gosh, that's fine. No, I don't know. I've got. Uh, what else do I have? I have. Um, I just finished up a run on the Flash for DC Comics. So if you, oh yes, I forget nice. there. I think it was seven sixty three through seven sixty six or something like that. Um, I have a Star Wars novel out called Star Wars Force Collector, which I'm really proud of. That was a really great uh, journey. It's an original tale with an original character, but when he touches certain objects, he sees their past. So whenever he touches an object, we go back to the old movies, the old cartoons, the old comics and all sorts of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so that's what's going on, but I can't remember everything I'm doing, but uh, so on social media, I'm on at Kevin Shinnick and on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, I have a professional page and I'm at KevinShinnick.com as well. So Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure, guys. It's been too long. I mean that sincerely. This, uh, you know, we don't have to keep this part in, but (laughs) but it's been so good seeing you all. It's been yeah. great seeing you. I great miss you, buddy. You. Thank you. Thank uh, would you, you come back and do us. another one at some point? If we of course. Have, yeah. Are you kidding me? But I also am hoping to come back to New York once we all get our vaccinations. So maybe we can all meet oh, in person great. someday. That'd be nice. Oh, that I would be fantastic. He's just the most open, friendly, funny, kind, likable person and talented as hell. I'm right here. Yeah. No, after you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And uh, and then Fred and I bring up the rear, but (laughs) (laughs) but no, he he's just such a wonderful guy, and so it's never surprised me. It's always made sense to me. It's like, of course. He ingratiates himself mm. and excels wherever he goes and whatever he does. He's just that kind of guy. And I, I'm, you know, I'm always so heartened and, and, and pleased when I see, you know, all yeah. his success. I always remember but, walking through Midtown Comics and seeing his name on, uh, I think it must have been the Superior. He did Superior Carnage. Mm-hmm. But just being like, oh, my God, that's Kevin Shinnick on a comic. It was just, I thought it was so cool. That's awesome. Well, I yeah. never knew him from the Hofstra days because he graduated before I got there. But um, I've always felt like, uh, you know, I knew him peripherally kind of through you guys and maybe like hanging out once or twice after school, you know, after college. But I mean, just what a wonderful guy. And thank you both for bringing him on. That was that was outstanding. Absolutely. What, a, what great fun. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're going to talk to anyone about Spider-Man, he's a uh, he's a good person to or to Star Wars. You know, that was the thing. It was like I was like, I want to invite Kevin on the show. It's like we got Star Wars stuff coming up. We got superhero stuff. He can, you know, he ticks a lot of boxes in that way. And yeah. uh, so Bring him uh, back on. It's yeah, great. I think we'll obviously it would be such a blast to have him on again uh, in Yay. the near future. But 
So let's dive back into... We got Kevin's uh, Sheila's, and we'll give ours at the end. He didn't have a lot of venom towards oh, Spider-Man 3, did he? Oh. Earning your non-paycheck again. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spider-Man 3. I'm going to ask MJ to marry me. A man has to put his wife before himself. Can you do that, Peter? Yeah. I think I can. We have some new information. This is your uncle's actual killer. We lost his trail two days ago. This man killed my uncle, and he's still out there. Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. Revenge is like a poison. It can take us over. And before you know it, can turn you into something ugly. Peter and Mary Jane, played by Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, seem happily headed for marriage, but trouble looms when an alien symbiote just literally happens to drop out of the sky and land right next to the giant spider web the young lovers like to make out in. Eventually, the black space goo morphs with Spider-Man's spandex and takes control of our hero, not only giving Peter enhanced power, but also bringing out the dark side of his personality. Peter must overcome the suit's influence as two new supervillains, Sandman and Venom, played by Thomas Hayden Church and Topher Grace, respectively, rise up to destroy him and all he holds dear. In a new opening weekend box office record that would fall just over a year later to The Dark Knight, Spider-Man 3 made $151.1 million in its first three days of release, going on to become the most successful film in the franchise in terms of worldwide box office with $895 million, but proving to be the trilogy's least successful installment domestically, with North American earnings of $336.5 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Spider-Man 3? Well, like I said, I remember seeing this in the theaters. I probably saw it opening. I think I saw all of the movies on on opening day. Mm. Uh, And uh, again, it sort of left me cold. I, I think at that point I was just sort of over it. I don't know what it was. It was weird. Like me and comic book movies and comic books in general, I went through these, you know, hot and cold periods mm. where mm. I was so excited. X-Men, like, I was so excited about that. Just, you know, I was like, whoa, I didn't expect it. And then the first Spider-Man I really enjoyed and and the Dark Knight movies, obviously. But I don't know. With the sequels, I just, I was losing interest. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't until I sort of rediscovered comic books again, which was several years later, where that all came back. And at that point, you know, the MCU had started. Um, so, and, you know, there's always been this lore behind this movie of just, how how it just drops the ball and this the dance sequence and it's just it's I didn't mind it on this rewatch I haven't seen it since it opened because I saw it that one time I was mm-hmm. like eh and I'm like eh I don't need to see it again and then we moved on and got other Spider Man I didn't I I thought it was okay I wasn't I wasn't as engaged with it I didn't really care as much watching it It's hard to engage with this yeah I, I wasn't um. And it also, it might be the whole thing, you know, like the moonlighting situation. What happens when David and Maddie get together? You know, when they finally do get together, that tension's not there. Yeah. You know, it was, Mm. you know, and I think- So you're manufacturing tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Mm. and and it is an interesting idea, the fact that, you know, oh, wow, he's, he's finally, he's finally the popular kid. 
and he's enjoying it, you know, and kids love him and he's going to, you know, pretty girls want to kiss him. And, you know, he's this big, huge hero and it's sort of going to his head and Mary Jane is sort of feeling a little left behind. And the realization, which you were right about Spider-Man 2, that last moment, which I forgot, Mm -hmm. I forgot that the last shot of the film is actually her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which of Spider-Man 2, which yeah. I think is great. So now it's all of those worries coming to fruition. And yeah. this isn't as great as I thought it would be. Like, maybe I'm not okay with this. That's a critic. This is something you're going to have to get used to. Believe me, I know. Spider-Man gets attacked all the time. This isn't about you. This is about me. It's about my career. I know, and I'm just saying, you can't let it, you can't let it bring you down. You just gotta believe in yourself and you pull yourself together, you get right back on the horse. Don't give me the horse thing. Try and understand how I feel. It's just... I look at these words and it's like my father wrote them. Thomas Hayden Church, I enjoyed very much on this this second viewing. Uh, I thought Topher Grace was good. I thought he did a good job. He's very funny. He's very, he's, yeah, he's great. He just, I almost wish that he was playing Harry Osborne in a way. Mm. I thought that would, he would have been, there was, there would have been something James Franco. And again, I really like James Franco. I really, really do. I know a lot of people have issues with him, Um, but he just seems uncomfortable in these movies. He, yeah. he doesn't seem, and and maybe because at the time he was still figuring things out, you know, this was before James Franco sort of became the James Franco we know right. now. It was, right. it was just a little more, you know, because he did Freaks and Geeks yeah. and then suddenly he was James Dean and he was getting, in Annapolis, he was getting thrown into all these like leading man roles right. and he was always just something quirkier and stranger and there's something more off and it was almost like he didn't know what to do. He does something interesting in this one. I like him best in the second one, but there's this there's this goofiness to him in the first movie when he's just this kid. And then mm-hmm. and then it sours and it turns. And then in the second one, he's the successful heir to the father's company and he's riding high on that. And, you know, the nice yeah. suits and the you know, he's a mover and a shaker and the deal maker. And then when he learns the truth about Parker, he really kind of turns to the dark side. It's very Hayden Christensen and Star Wars kind yes. of thing. You know, you see it in his eyes mm-hmm. and his face and his reflection. In this one, as soon as the amnesia comes into play, which is, you know, there's so much ridiculous kind of soap opera stuff in this and coincidental. But when it comes into play, he goes right back five years He's the goofy kid. He becomes a kid again. It's like he's 17 again. Yeah, you're right. As opposed mm-hmm. to the guy in the second movie who's like an adult moving through the world. He's like a kid again. He's like, what do I do? I guess I hang around my my man. I have money. Oh, great. I hang around the mansion and I paint pictures and stuff. And he gets that goofy James Franco grin that you realize you haven't really seen in two movies. And I thought that Correct. was actually really nice. I don't think it's used very well. I don't think the payoffs are there. Uh, but I thought, oh, he's actually... Maybe he's he's you know, he's he's got more in the tank than I realized in these movies. I've liked him in other things, too, and think that he's really good, uh, depending on what it is. I completely agree with you, Jason. He has the most dynamism in this one, in the third one. And he's the most he's he's able to play some different things. I mean, he kind of is giving it a textbook lesson in the first two movies of how to play the problem. Hmm. You know, he just is just playing the angst the entire time. And it is one fucking note. And finally, in this third one, 
we get another note. <laughs> and that's why I like him best in this third one because of that sequence. Stupid and soap opera <laughs> as know. it is, where he has amnesia and yeah. he fi- we finally go, oh, oh, this is a <laughs> breath of fresh air here. This means this person's actually a human, you know, rather than just a ball of 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 what what we think angst is supposed to look and sound like. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Fred, where it's like, you know, I, I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, but I think I think it's it's kind of summed up by what Kevin was saying earlier, which is. Too many fucking villains, too many yeah. stories to fo- try to follow, too many people to care about. You do not need either Thomas Hayden Church or Topher Grace's character. Thank Take you. one of them out, you know, and I guess I didn't realize that the studio was saying to Sam Raimi, no, you have to have Venom in. Yeah. Well, as soon as you're saying that, then I think maybe you go, OK, um, Sandman, we'll see you in part four. Yeah. You know, don't worry about him because you don't need them both. You certainly do not. I guess it's so that you have the team up of two versus two at the end. But I, I don't know. I like how Venom die, how Venom meets his end. I think yeah. that's really, really great. And I love that Sandman doesn't meet his end. He he. He sort of floats away on the mists of his own mm-hmm. sand, spoiler alert, because of what this whole movie is about. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, right? yeah. My daughter was dying. I needed money. I was scared. I told your uncle all I wanted was the car. What is it? I need your car. He said to me, why don't you just put down the gun and go home? I realize now he was just trying to help me. And and you and and That's revenge right. sort of poisoning people's souls, literally like a poison, like this symbiote. You know, we get the white goo in the first two movies. Now he's mm-hmm. been taken over yeah. by black goo. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and it's and it's that and it's that revenge fantasy of like you know, no, you've been obsessed. You've let this idea of being vengeful against either yourself for not forgiving yourself for for mm. Ben's. Uh, thing not forgiving yourself again for 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 um the mary jane incident that happens mm-hmm. mid movie which i agree it's a very strong sequence i think that whole sequence of him strutting his stuff and and awkwardly you know because what's funny is when he's confidently himself this is a brilliant little thing that the movie does yes the women, the women on the street are all going hey hey you yeah. hey you when he's just being himself when he starts you know with the emo hair and strutting his, his stuff like an <laughs> asshole the women are looking at him like what the fuck are you supposed to be? What, yes, the, what right. are you supposed to be? What are you looking at? Ugh! They're looking at him like he's gross. Yeah. And I thought that was his hyster- uh, hysterical touch. But this movie wants at its heart to be the culminating movie of the, of the trilogy as far as what, what poisons us and what frees us, what, mm. what, you know, toxifies us and what purifies us. Right. It's very much like Black Panther in that way with the whole Killmonger thing of like if you spend your whole life going after being vengeful, you know, it's going to poison you. It's going to it's going to hurt you ultimately. So you have to free yourself from that. The Mary Jane Peter relationship is still I think. I think Kirsten Dunst is especially good in this one. As I was watching, I was like, she's matured over the three. Like the same way I said that thing about, oh, it's interesting to see Franco go back to like the the younger, more carefree version of this character. 
but she really deepens and becomes an adult. In, the, in this movie, she's a true adult. And I think one of the biggest problems with this movie, aside from it being overstuffed, which it is, and I kind of like this movie. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I'm also with Kevin. I, don't hate I think it. it's far better than either of the Andrew Garfield ones. I still would prefer this one over seeing anything else before we get to Tom Holland. That's my take on it. But cool. Toby Maguire, and sometimes it's to great effect in the, you know, in the swagger stuff and the, you know, yeah. like, you know, go make me some more cookies, put some nuts in them, you know, like that, that version, <laughs> like the asshole, yeah. asshole it's boyfriend the version. It's the side of the pie moment from the second one. It's it, great. Yeah, totally. It's so, it's so good. But he is, in general, in this one, unlikable. It's harder to yeah. root for Toby Maguire in this one. And that's partly some of it is not his doing. It's that black goo and the suit. And some of it is he's <sighs> high on his own supply and he's not recognizing yeah. what his partner needs. He's not being a good he wouldn't be a good husband at this point. Like he says at the end, he's like, I wouldn't be. He gives the ring back to he tries to give it back to Aunt May and right. she leaves it with him. But I kind of like that they don't wind up engaged or married at the very end of the movie that it is like this is still a work in progress because you're still figuring yourself out and that's good and all of that is good but when you have when the character at the center is this kind of unmoored and hard to root for he's he's displaying unlikable tendencies even though it's very human and kind of makes it a complex portrayal it makes it a tough thing to ask of a trilogy capper of like you know it's it's interesting because it's just something hangs over there's a little bit of a weight that hangs over the movie that's not just in the execution or the editing or too many chefs in the kitchen i mean all those things are true but there's just another there's another thing hanging over it and i don't know if it's partly the the raimi thing like he felt so buoyant and free with the second one and was like i'm in my stride and in this one he's really you He's muscling to make the pieces fit together and he finds good ways yes. to make, even though San, I agree, Sandman and Venom are both underdeveloped, not particularly compelling villains. He no. does find ways to make their thing make sense in this overarching theme yeah. that he's, he's but it feels a little muscled it feels like he's he's working at it it's a yeah, little it's labored, labored but i yeah. i think it's all there i think the pieces are all there and i like all the pieces separately you know it's just yeah. it keeps jumping around enjoying it yeah. yeah you lose sandman for too long i think the topher gray i think topher grace is brilliant casting because he kind of Looks, looks like, like Toby Maguire, and then he's also a photographer. So I like that it's yeah. not the Eddie Brock from the comics. I like it. I like that it's like the the ne- photo negative version, yep. the doppelganger he's the flip side, of, flip side yeah. of the other yeah. actor. I think that's a brilliant choice. He's very funny. He's this that's and right. that. But then he becomes Venom, which I think is a great, cool sequence in the church. Yeah. And then nothing. Then we cut to another scene, and then we come back, and it's just like. He's been Venom for a while and he's like meeting Sandman in an alley and let's team up against Spider-Man. That was the clunkiest part to me where yeah, he becomes Venom and then next thing he's just like, hey, I hear you don't like Spider-Man either. I don't like him. It's so like Tommy Lee Jones and uh, and Jim Carrey and Batman forever. Like just two villains come together. Hey, do you hate Batman? Let's fight him. Look, I want to kill the spider. You want to kill the spider. Together, he doesn't stand a chance interested someone thought that there was going to be a fourth movie you know Mm -hmm. obviously the prevailing thought was this isn't the end because it it doesn't feel like a capper it's a very melancholy end they were develop actively developing spider-man 4 actively Mm -hmm. cast it right 
and they were actively developing Amazing Spider-Man. It was like it was very much like the Conan O'Brien Jay Leno oh, thing. Yes. It was like, I remember wow. this. It was like yes. don't let the door. We want more from you. But don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. It was like, yeah. we want another Sam Raimi movie. Make it quick. And then because we, Sony, will lose the rights to Spider-Man if we don't get another movie in theaters another three years one. later, in order to keep the machine moving, we don't think you can do five and six and seven. Come on. That's ridiculous. But we'll let you do one more if we like where you're at with it in the development. In the meantime, wow. we're developing another one with a whole new creative team because we have to keep the machine chugging. So they were doing both yeah, simultaneously. I do remember that, which they, is crazy. Wow. And there, there was a point. I remember there was a point where there, you were like, oh, there might be two Spider-Man <laughs> yeah, movies yeah. coming out with different casts. Yeah, but wow. within a couple of years. Because you get that feeling, you know, and it's almost a shame because you almost wonder if they did because in a way, even though I mean, really, Spider Man Two is like you know the Empire Strikes Back, yes, you know of, of the trilogy. Kind of, yeah. But in a way, this has that feel too because it does skew so much darker and it ends on such a melancholy <laughs> it note. Really does. And like, are they gonna make it? So it's it's a shame because you wonder what would a Sam Raimi four be if maybe at that point they were like, you know what, Sam, we were wrong. Do your thing. Finish this off with a bang because it 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 does. It's that feeling. It's that feeling of Luke and Leia and the droid staring off. Yeah. You know, as as Lando yes. goes to try to find Han. You know, the, yes, they're reunited at the end. It's but uncertain. It's, I, I was really surprised on this rewatch. Like, oh, that's but that's the that's last how shot. it ends. Yeah, that's yeah, it. I like, totally it's nice that they're together, but it doesn't seem. Doesn't seem like a happy ending. Well, because they don't smile. I mean, she hugs him. It is. It's like yeah. we've got work to do. And yeah. she right. hugs him and the camera. And I even thought I was like, oh, I wish you had ended it on her mm-hmm. again. Only mm-hmm. because when the camera turns around and we see him, for whatever reason, and maybe it's the Michael Caine don't blink thing. He's <sighs> blank. He is blank yeah. there. And I can't read what he's feeling or thinking about this. And maybe and it's an interesting fucking way to end the movie. But it really it's not sad. It doesn't have the satisfaction, which is no. why you're right. It doesn't for for everything about it that makes it feel like this is wrapping up the story of these characters. It really doesn't. And it does leave threads dangling. And that's why you could have had a Spider-Man four that, you know, well. Uh, uh, yeah, I heard that they had replaced the last page of the script with the last page of Dead Calm. I didn't know if you guys had heard that. <laughs> and that's why you have the blank stares looking off into nothing. <laughs> Sam Raimi replaced without telling anyone. Just put that in there. I just shot a flare into oh, J.K. Simmons' mouth for no good reason. It's <laughs> like, uh, we love uh, him. Don't kill him. Don't kill that guy. It's the one character we like in this. Oh, man. I would, I would meet, I don't want to jump the gun, but I, I, I'd meet Kevin on an Ashiel account for this because Where I, did he give it six, five, he said 6.5 6. to 5. seven. He said, yeah, somewhere I, in there. I'd yeah. probably do a 6.5 because I don't think it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not a movie that I would want to watch again. You know, out of all of them, I would say, you know, if, if someone was like, Hey, what should I watch? Spider-Man two, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to see Spider-Man one, you know, the origin, you know, it becomes Spider-Man. I, I really like Spider-Man. Don't get me wrong, but Spider-Man yeah. two is, yeah. I've really grown to appreciate it. Um, over the years, this one, I think is, fine but it's uh, it seems unnecessary at this point uh and yeah i think everyone does a good job in it you know i i like i said i i I really like thomas hayden church's performance in it i don't know it was sort of wasted but i was like all right he does he does a a nice affecting job with it you're right james franco does have more of an arc with it and has a little more fun and everyone 
everyone does good work, but it just, it just leaves me cold and I, I don't, I don't need to see it again, but I wouldn't not recommend it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you're talking about Sandman. I, I'm not uh, especially taken with Thomas Hayden Church in it. He's a bit of a, I'm going to use that word that you like, he's a bit of a cipher for me, but he looks great. And the, the, yeah. effect, the most moving part of his performance, he has nothing to do with because yeah, it's you're that right. beautiful origin in the sand with this with, out of the sand, with a sandish yeah. and he does have something to do with it i shouldn't sure. say that but you know i mean it's it's the beautiful sequence with that gorgeous music which this time is not danny elfman i want to say I it's christopher young christopher right? young and apparently mm-hmm. danny elfman he quit or he left and christopher young had to like rescore the entire movie or oh, I was it was it that, that was it that tumultuous i thought it was just like oh danny elfman's schedule didn't allow so they used his main themes but brought in another composer i might be wrong no but you, maybe you are right i i didn't know i just didn't know there was drama uh, involved but um but i do like his his sandman theme yeah. and that venom music is is cool like the new themes are in are fun and cool and uh, but that's a beautiful, beautiful sequence, and that's all yeah. CGI there. But it's gorgeous. But like I thought him his speech to. at the end. I thought that was nice. You know, the moments yeah. where he sort of explains himself. I love those last moments between them because it's all forgiveness. It's yeah. all yeah. forgiveness all the time with that, with the way this ends. And I think it's lovely. It's it's, and that's powerful. I also think it's interesting. And this is a real superhero movie trilogy template or whatever. But uh, or maybe it's just Sam Raimi has this hidden affection for the Superman movies. But it's like. Superman 2, Spider-Man 2, lose the powers. Inexplicably lose the powers. Mm. Got to get him back at the end. Same Superman thing. 3, Spider-Man 3, what do we do with the guy now? He's got the girl. Now we got to make him a bad guy fighting himself or war, yeah. at war with himself. Interesting. And an anti-Lois Lane comes in, right? Yes. Anti-MJ yes. comes yeah. in, take which a, is... Take a classic character from the comics, Lana Lang, and make her like the yep. replacement for, for Lois. And same thing here. Yeah, very interesting. That's another thing. Gwen Stacy, great character. Bryce Dallas Howard, great actress. Not given a lot to do here. No. At very all. Little. But I do think she has a great moment where she's in the club with him and she's like, this is all for her. And she goes and she apologizes to Mary Jane. I think that's a great moment. moment. But otherwise, she doesn't, you know, it's a great character from the comics that that's the one thing about the Andrew Garfield movies. I don't like them, but you've got Emma Stone and that's a real relationship and whatever, you know, it gives the character her due. Let's wrap it up. How many Sheila's for Spider-Man 3? You're going 6.5, Fred? I think I'll go 6.5 on this one. Yeah. I'll go 6.25. I think I was originally thinking I was going to be a seven. And then I was like, ah, that's too high. But ah, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave. No, I'm going to go 6.75. 6.75. Oh, because this good. one, dro- it, it, this, this watching it in all the times I've seen it. And I have seen this one a lot. Not nearly as many times as the first two. I've always been like. No, it, it works. It's good. There's a lot I like and there still is a lot I like. But last night I was really noticing how when you watch it directly after Spider-Man 2, how yeah, uh, all the little places it slips and stumbles. And so yeah. I think 6.75 is good for this one. All right. Next week is episode 49. We're on the, <gasps> we're on the road to 50, everybody. We're getting closer and closer. Next wow. week, episode 49, we are traveling back to May 11th. 1984 and a pair of wide releases one is the stephen king adaptation firestarter starring drew barrymore and george c scott and also robert redford in the natural one of the all-time great 
baseball movies. And in tandem with that, and after we had so much fun talking about Major League a few weeks ago, I think we all thought it would be a great idea to talk about some of our favorite sports movies. So I think I'm going to say our top five favorite sports yes. movies. Is that good? Sure. But anyway, that's uh, that's where we're at next week on opening weekend. And again, before we get to hand farts, a very, very special, a very big thank you to our special guest, Kevin Shinnick again. Yeah. He was awesome. And it was really fun doing a retrospective like this. We're going to do it again later in the year with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, before uh, we say goodbye, Dan, I can't imagine what you might have for us, but all right, here we go. <laughs> can't see this but jason and i were we're grooving along oh it came oh, out of the gate good. so strong it really did <laughs> it was like i was then like it faltered in the bridge <laughs> no that was came back on strong. that was a hand chart that was really like <laughs> that was strong and wet out of the gate it stained, surprised it stained me. me yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes it made me check to see if i had you know another pair <laughs> Oh, that had, my, that had my Spidey's hands tingling everywhere. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Have you guys been vaccinated? Yeah. Yeah. I got my first shot. I haven't got my second shot yet. Yay. So opening we'll weekend podcast pulls a lot of strings, you know, with Fauci. <laughs> I don't got, doubt it. I don't he's doubt a big it. listener. He got, he, he he's got like, right I used in there. to go to the picture shows <laughs> and uh, I recall a few of them. Exactly. <laughs> he set me up. He set me up, uh, Fauci with the, uh, with the up. Panera vaccine. The first dose. <laughs> I got the Panera. You How's got the Moderna. I got the Panera. Well, the first dose was broccoli cheese soup and the second <laughs> dose was chicken salad. And I, so far I've been fine. Well, I would hope so. so. It sounds a lot better than what I got. <laughs> Yeah, it was the you pick two. I did the you pick two. Good, 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 good. <laughs> oh, you're an idiot. You are an idiot. Uh...